Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lurkana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We are your hosts, Jared and James. Today, we are with fellow podcasters, Benny and Charles of the Overexerted Podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week, we visited with deck building maestro Lindsay who happens to be very active in the Citizens of Lorcana Discord. So if you haven't checked us out yet, go go there. She answers all your questions about deck building. Um, it's great. Today, we are chatting with two very good friends of the show that happen to be hired dads, Charles and Benny. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for us, guys. Hey, how's it going? Well, the pleasure is ours because I feel like we've had to reschedule a couple times already. So... Um, it's awesome to finally have the both of you on. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Like Benny and I, we always text each other after I listen to one of your episodes, you're going to listen to one of ours. And we're like, like your last guest, you had Nicholas yeah, Cole seriously. on. That yeah. was an awesome podcast. Before anything else, I wanted to say that that was an awesome episode. It was a great interview. I love the questions you asked and the stories you got out. And uh, so, yeah, if ever if everyone hasn't listened to it yet, everybody needs to go listen to that episode because it is an awesome episode. Honestly, honestly, I feel like it's the best interview I've heard or read with uh, Nicholas Cole. You guys, you really knocked it out. It was it was actually a ton of fun to record. I I think that was one of my favorite episodes to record already so far and uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people that are like, that was a really fun episode to listen to. Keep it up like. I'm loving the energy. You guys are are getting more and more fun every time. And I'm like, it's perfect. That's exactly what I want. I want more fun interviews and I want more fun uh, episodes just like that one. Yeah. And I mean, credit to him. He's just uh, such a great personality, a very genuine guy. It was uh, a real treat to be able to have him on. And uh, the conversation just came very easy. It was not forced at all. So yeah, Thanks. very bubbly. Thank you if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start our podcast, we have a segment, a new segment that we call Deck Tech and Spec. So let's start here. Um, if you, we'll start with Charles. If you are going to locals this week, <laughs> what are you taking? Uh, I would take uh, the Mufasa deck. Um, it's what I've been playing around with. Um, <clears throat> well, I just recently acquired my fourth Beast Tragic Hero, so I feel like I can finally play Steel. But I haven't put together a list yet, so... And, you know, it's just really busy, hectic time, been sick. Um, so I, I can't take a steal something. So, yeah, I'd still be taking the Mufasa deck. Are you pairing it with uh, Ruby or uh, Emerald? Uh, yeah, you have to be able to pop Maleficent off the top. It's definitely All Ruby. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going for bits here. Big hits. <laughs> that's, it that's also just deck. feels great to play a Ruby deck that's not playing Be Prepared. Uh, what? You don't have sometimes. Be Prepared in there? No. I, I I also wasn't putting be prepared. What if Mufasa hits? No, you can't have be prepared. You need characters, only characters. Yeah, yeah I didn't have I... be prepared, and it was uh, it definitely got me a couple times where I was like, I really wish I had had the uh, be prepared in there just to even take out my own Mufasa. Like legit this week on Monday night when I was playing at locals, playing against a Ruby Amethyst deck, game three, went to time, like turn zero or one turn one i think was me be prepared wiped out like five of his characters and he had just played like two of them on that turn so i was like he had less characters in his hand and i was able to finish out the game before we finished 
It was awesome. It, it, if, and I, if I didn't have be prepared, would have lost the game. So with that deck, Charles, what are the good matchups for you? Like, how does it match up against Ruby Amethyst? How does it do against the meta? Uh, <clears throat> I think it can do okay against Ruby Amethyst. I mean, nothing. I mean, Ruby Amethyst wouldn't be what it is if something had a good matchup against it. <laughs> That's kind of the problem right now. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's got a, a decent matchup. It can definitely win games. Uh, I think its worst matchup is probably like a, a true aggro deck, like a uh, Amethyst Amber, uh, just because it's a little slow and it, it doesn't have answers uh, if your opponent goes too wide. Um, but it does, yeah, it does well. Uh, it does well against discard. It's just got a lot of good value in it, you know. Uh, you got the Mother Gothful plus Rapunzel, which is a great card draw engine. Uh, you got a lot of ma- a value out of Mufasa. You've got late game Maleficent for uh, two for ones as well. And uh, um, what's her name? Tremaine. Uh, Tremaine. Yes, Lady Tremaine. You know, it's another nice two for one. I'll tell you the most frustrating thing for me when I ran the Mufasa deck last time. I went against Ruby Amethyst players and they would easma my Mufasa back into my deck before they before they ran a be prepared it's just like so you get no value off of that stupid mufasa yeah i mean you got to use them out of their hand i guess but you know that's fair uh also against sapphire they can hades it into your inkwell and uh you don't get value yeah i hate that (laughs) Mm -hmm. i definitely had the same thing happen all right benny what are you taking to locals this week um i've actually been trained changing up pretty frequently what I've been bringing and I don't really have anything nailed down. Uh, I refuse to even glance at Ruby and Amethyst. I will never touch Ruby and Amethyst, at least, at least until maybe uh, chapter two. I say chapter two is after the first four sets. Um, But I played Steel Song. I've played the Popsicle, Green Fossa. Last week I brought Amethyst Amber Aggro just for the one guy there that has the uh, Ruby Amethyst. I was like, I'm going to take this guy down. And I ended up playing everyone except him and got absolutely rolled by any steel songs and everything else that I had to play. So that wasn't very good. Um, But yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not sure what I'm bringing with me. Our league is on Saturday, so I'm just trying to decide kind of leading up to Saturday if I want to maybe go with a hot dog Mufasa or if I'm just going to go with another Amber Amethyst Aggro or I don't know. I've I've been tempted to test out either uh the sapphire steel or the amethyst steel and just see what happens there you sound just like me i will i change up decks frequently and i usually don't decide until like mine is on saturday morning so i usually don't decide until friday night or early saturday morning before i (laughs) have to go so (laughs) that's hilarious i i've got one of the uh top and bottom deck boxes and so I always throw like one deck in the top, one in the bottom. And I've actually just gone before not knowing what I'm going to play. I like, I point to one side and say odds, point to the other and say evens, and then just add my first opponent dice. And I just say, go ahead, you're deciding what I'm playing today. Wow. I couldn't do that. Does that kill you, Charles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, it was uh, the first chapter I did it the first time hand people the dice, said, go ahead, you decide. One side was Ruby Amethyst, one side was Steel Song. I never got Ruby Amethyst, always got Steel Song, and always ended up wiping the floor. It's good. It's good. I like it. 
All right. So your podcast always starts with you saying that you're two tired dads. Not that you, I mean, are you two tired T-O-O and there's two of you? Is that is <laughs> it like two meanings there? That's a good question. I definitely wrote it as the number two, but I'll, I'll take it. You know, I mean, the whole idea with the name overexerted, obviously a play on cards being able to be exerted. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're too tired to be recording a podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of being dads, uh, have your families gotten into Lorcana as well? Uh, yeah. My wife plays. Uh, we play. She's definitely a lot more casual than me. Uh, she doesn't really want to like go out and play, but she actually did come out to a Rise of the Floodborne uh, sealed deck event, and uh, she, she had fun. You know, it was definitely a really different experience for her. She's not been to TCGs at all, and like to all of a sudden be in a room with forty eight people, uh, you, and you know, gamers, sweaty, stinky, like. <laughs> um, for me, yes and no. My oldest son seems to be like somewhat interested in like collecting. Uh, he saw that I had a Rockstar Stitch the other day, and he said, "Dad, can I have the Rock and Stitch?" And it's it's really tough. I want to give it to him, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, people might want to trade for that. <laughs> so, um, Eric uh, Iceman that we've had on the show before, as most people will know him from the Lurkana HQ Discord. Oh yeah. He actually has a foil one right now. So I said to him, like, you know, let me know what you want for it. I'll I'll take that. And then I'm just going to send that off to PSA, get it graded. No matter what it comes back as, I'm just going to give it to uh, my son so that he's got something to add to his collection, something that he can't really, you know, it feels bad if I give him a Rockstar Stitch and he just folds it in half. So if I know it's slabbed up, he can't really do any damage to it. But, um, yeah, he's, nope. he seems to be into collecting. I'm hoping I can get him into playing as he gets older. Until he starts experimenting with with hammers, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, as for my wife, we got to like approximately turn four, and she said, "I'm tired. I don't have the brain capacity for this today." And that was back in the first chapter. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll get her to try again <laughs> soon, or I'll have to bring her on the podcast, and we'll have you know two tired dads and a tired mom. There you go. <laughs> All right. So with set three coming up, uh, but. Before we actually look forward to set three, let's take a look back. And we have just a couple weeks left before it comes out. So with set two, what are your overall impressions of the set? Uh, Olaf turn one, teeth and ambitions turn two. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> uh, but the biggest thing that I've seen with set two is that some... Oh wait. Yes, the biggest thing I've seen with set two is that some people have like left the game locally. We've actually lost a couple people. I know one mom said her son got bored or not got bored, but just didn't want to play anymore. So he stopped playing and she basically was like, I'm going to sell all my cards. Um, so that was kind of not that great. I don't like seeing people leave. I want to keep people in there as much as possible. But then we've also had like a lot of new people showing up every week. We seem to get like a new person each week. And whether they're there the following week or not has kind of been, you know, up to their schedule. But I do see, like, a guy will show up one week, not the next week, and then he'll show up the following week and be like, oh, yeah, I was busy last week. So I'm like, yes, we're getting new people in. At least that's good. Um, so it's good because I want to try and keep the game alive as much as possible. But it's good to see that the game's still alive, still fun, still thriving. And 
growing. There will always be growing pains with anything new, but it's still something that I enjoy personally. And I look forward to seeing where we are with the game, the podcast, the product, the story within the next year or two or five. But so far it's, yeah, still something I'm enjoying. So I'm going to stick with it. I'd say the one thing I've noticed, like with the way set two plays is there's not quite enough challenging uh you know everybody's removing with actions and songs um and you know cards that we thought would be really impactful like Shere Khan and uh I thought the Queen of Hearts would be really good that draws cards when you challenge characters uh just aren't seeing play at all so I really hope uh locations helps bring more exerted characters into play and therefore more challenging has been interesting because Ruby Amethyst has been so dominant and their primary game plan is bounce, bounce, bounce removal. <laughs> so yeah, there's really not a whole lot of interaction on, on their end when you play against a Ruby Amethyst. Yeah. And to be fair, steel as well is just trying to sing, grab your swords. That's true. So yep. Let the storm rage uh-huh. on strength of a raging fire world's greatest criminal mind, all those things. I agree. Yeah. What has been your favorite card to set to? And James, this is something we can share too, but uh, we started with Benny last time. So let's start with Charles. What's been your favorite card of set to? Um, hmm. I've actually been playing. I would say my favorite card is Beast Tragic Hero. <laughs> <laughs> but I've That's only so just sad. been able to <laughs> play with it yet. <laughs> um, favorite card I've been playing with? I mean... God, I mean, honestly, I I love the bounce stuff. I know, I know how it makes people feel because it's very prevalent and strong. But like, you know, the rabbit, the fox, uh, I I love the Madam Mim cards. They're very fun. Look, it is a very <laughs> fun deck to play, but <laughs> it's so not fun to play against. Just do uh, Amethyst Amber, then it's fun. To, to be fair, I feel like it's a lot more fun to play against than the first chapters for Be Amethyst. Yeah, like, that's for sure. I would it's agree. come very far forward. Yeah, because they can actually beat you faster now. Yeah, they can, <laughs> yeah, they actually do stuff. Not just like, oh, I'll spend my turn paying four to draw a card with Magic Mirror. I actually had a game a while back where the Ruby Amethyst player that we have at locals drew three Be Preparedds, and he had three um what's her name lady tremaine lady tremaine's in his hand and then he had the one card that he inked and he's like i i can't do anything so i just sat there playing cards this is fun i like this this you are right this is fun to play against (laughs) (laughs) that should happen more often than it does yeah um as for me, I'd say my favorite card is Beast Tragic Hero, just because I've pulled seven, and it feels so, so good to have some pricey trade fodder. Um, that said, I could see a potential price drop after set three, so I might want to start offloading those. The question is if I can pull another one, or should I just trade three and try and get an enchanted? Um, but I'd say my actual favorite card is just like Bell Hidden Archer, purely for the art. Um a card that i called and i still love it to this day it's my my fifth sense you know i have espn wait wait what do you mean it's a card you called what does that mean 
Um, so we actually had a question a while back on the show. I think it was the Fresh Maker who asked uh, if you could make your own Floodborne card. What is one that you'd want to see? And Charles said a Cruella Deville wearing a spotted coat. And I said a bell that's some sort of like she went with Gaston. She became like a huntress. Uh, she has a bow. And sure enough, there it is. So. I mean, I also did say Robin Hood's bow would be coming soon. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to say I keep somehow managing to predict at least one card from every set. Who's your who's your contact on the inside? <laughs> right. Uh, his name is Jim Hawkins. All right. Um, I think my favorite card from set two, and this is probably purely because I enjoy playing Sapphire, but uh, Old Man Cogsworth, it's just been an absolute delight playing him and getting resist one on all my players. And we talked about this last week, but just how pretty much Cogsworth is single handedly responsible for the demise of Steel Song. <laughs> Cogsworth is awesome, he's a great card. It's it's just so satisfying when you play him out and all of your characters automatically become stronger. It's It's been a fun card to play. I definitely played that the other night on Pixelborn and I had three Cogsworths out and I'm like, my opponent can't do anything. They're not even playing Ruby Amethyst. They can't do anything. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've played with so many different cards that I don't know if I can pick one of them as my favorite. But James has a hard time committing. I don't know if you guys I do. do this. I, that's it's, why it's, it's a tough question. It is. Um, so you know, you know what? I'm. I think I'm gonna pick uh, Cinderella Ballroom Sensation, just because of how good, how much better it made the Steel Song deck, and uh, of course it's got cool art and also the Enchanted is amazing. My my second choice actually was going to be Doc just because of how cool he is in getting that reduction down and, you know, making a, almost making a Seven Dwarfs deck actually viable because of just being able to get so much stuff out with if you have the Snow White and the Doc out. So anyway, yeah, Doc is Doc is definitely a card I did not see getting as much play as he has been. Yeah. So, so that's it. That's what I got. Now we, we talked about our favorite cards. Now this can be the same card. What is the most overhyped card of set two? Let's see, Benny, let's go. You first. That's a tough question. Um, I try to never feel like there's any cards that are like truly overhyped or overrated because as more sets get released and the game continues to grow, new synergies are found. So bad cards become good, good cards become trade fodder, and there's just like a lot of unknowns. But it's mostly just unknowns by anyone that's not employed at Ravensburger at this point, I guess. Um, as for, I guess if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with the Bell Hidden Archer. Seemed like something that was going to be awesome, and so far just not seeing much of any play. Right, yeah, on. you know, I always said that card's only good if we get a shift target for it, and we didn't. Um, so I think that's really the big problem there. Uh, mine's uh, pretty easy. I think it's Shere Khan. There was a lot of hype around Shere Khan. And I personally wasn't super hyped because I didn't feel like that. Like I was more hyped about the Queen of Hearts, like drawing cards off challenging. It seems more important than gaining lore if you're trying to play that more control uh, style of gameplay. Uh, but either way, neither of those cards saw any play. What about you, Jared? 
Yeah, you know, I was having a toss-up between two. Benny took one of them with Bill Hidden Archer. Although I will say, my son still talks about to this day about a match that he had where he had to attack into a Bell Hidden Archer and had to lose his hand. So she's not wow. play at least once somewhere in Idaho. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the card I'm thinking specifically about otherwise is another Emerald card, and it has to be Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. And I'm specifically thinking of how hyped people were when it was released. I even remember John T made a video on YouTube called Bibbidi Bobbidi Broken and just talking about how amazing this this card was going to be. And it definitely has the potential, like you said, in future sets. Who knows uh, what synergies might come up. But in uh, in set two, it just really, it didn't realize its full potential. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. The only time I saw it like effectively used was in the discard deck when an opponent would play Lucifer to make you discard one or two and then bibbidi bobbidi boo it right back out. Which is really nasty, actually. It really is. <laughs> I I tried to make it work with the uh, Evil Queen shift and then bibbidi bobbidi boo into a ray so that on, what is it, turn three, you're getting out that three lore evasive that's going to be hard for most people to take out. And I just either never got the shift, never got the bibbidi bobbidi boo, or never got the ray and just gave up on it. Yeah, you're asking for like four pieces, like two turns into the game. Hey, man. I've seen, I've seen it once and somebody made me discard or I had to ink it. And I was like, this is terrible. I don't like this anymore. I don't know if if this was an overhyped card, but just the um, the Emerald Beast, I think is that Beast Relentless? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where everyone was like, this is going to be amazing because you'll be able to just stand him up so much. And it takes so much work to get that working uh, by yeah turn six or seven whatever it is when you can get it out that it just never really gets realized unless you somehow are playing an opponent who just doesn't get everything out that they need to get out by that time and then you can go to town but uh it just takes so much work that it just it just falls flat so i think uh, relentless is I, and i don't know how much it was hype i know a lot of people really loved it when it came out but uh I think that was for like less than a day. <laughs> and then everyone sort of thought about it for a second. They're like, oh, wait. So basically three of us chose Emerald cards. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that just definitely, that definitely shows if you listen to the meta reports, Emerald is like nearly non-existent in top eights from the last two months. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, so There was an Emerald Amber deck that just got like second place in the <laughs> tournament. Yeah. A deck in one tournament (laughs) (laughs) everything has to go right for that deck to fire off so if you could change anything about your set two experience i'm talking about the last two and a half months and it could be a specific card could be the way tournaments are ran could be information like whatever you know anything about your set two experience what would you change (laughs) and we'll start with charles I wish that I had attended more, and by more I mean any, uh, like constructed tournaments. Um, just been going to like weekly league play, which is fine, but my league's very casual. Often, like doing a melee, like a multiplayer game, um, and I, I just want a more competitive experience. So I need to need to go 
outside my local area to find a constructed tournament. So are you talking about like a weekly constructed tournament? Are you talking about like the 1K, 3K events? Yeah, I mean, maybe something in between. Like there was a 1K, a Laughing Dragon 1K that was in the Seattle area I could have gone to. And it's hard because I work Saturdays and these events are almost always on Saturdays. I'm going to have to take PTO if I'm going to try to get to one of these things. Um, But yeah, it doesn't have to be a 1K. And it's probably also not going to be able to make it weekly. But I think like at least once a month, I'd like to make it out to a bigger, you know, hopefully at least 30 person plus, uh, you know, constructed tournament. I'm trying to get ready for regionals here. You know, I got (laughs) to. That's right. Right. I get those reps in. Exactly. What about you, Benny? <laughs> That's a tough one. Again, uh, I would have liked to maybe play a bit more, like Charles said. Um, up in up in my local area of Canada, we don't have these fancy 1K tournaments or 5K tournaments or any tournaments other than league right now. Haven't really seen much of anything. I don't know if maybe it's just me lack of looking or them lack of posting. Um, but... Yeah, to be honest, I probably cut back on how much I've played. I probably played like half as much as I played in the first chapter just due to scheduling. It was our league's night is on a weekend. So it's always it's it's kind of the worst time actually. It's Saturday at 1.30 and it goes to about four, four thirty. And I'm like, well, if you have a family, everybody knows that Saturday at 1.30 is like prime time to do anything. So that became tough, but uh set three both local shops have actually said that they're going to be moving it or adding it to a weeknight. So I think Monday is one shop and Wednesday is the other. So I might be able to get one, possibly two nights on the, on the week. If uh, the boss upstairs, my wife allows me to go to two. Other than that, just like Charles, I, I want to play, I want to play tournaments. I got to get ready for this stitch championship card that I have to win that I need. And you know, Nicholas Cole, I loved having him on the show, but I feel like I need two or three or four of those championship cards because I, I want to be able to drive one out to hit him and be like, hey, man, I don't know if you got one, but here you go. Here's one for you. <laughs> and then I know that other people locally are going to want him. So I've got I've got a couple of friends that I've actually made through the game, through the podcast, and uh, absolutely want to help them out as much as I can. And uh, I feel like they do the same for me. They help me out whenever they can. So if I can get extra ones, I'm just going to be handing them out to the guys that need them. I'll be lucky to earn one. Yeah. That's, yeah, I that's, know. that's how I feel. I'm dreaming big, but I'm sure I probably won't even get one. I don't have high hopes. <laughs> and at least I live in an area where I assume a lot of shops are going to get approved since there's so many shops in the in the region. So, but yeah. I, mean, I really hope a whole bunch of them schedule their events on different days so I can try and go to as many as I can until I win one. So looking forward now to set three, mm-hmm. what are you most hoping for happens with set three? All right, I'll, I'll go first. Well, I, I hope I hope regional events get kicked off during set three. Like, I hope we're not waiting until set four to have our first regional events. Um, I really want to see the competitive side grow. And I think it'll help draw people into the game. I mean, obviously they're killing it on the artwork and like the lore and bringing bringing more casual people in. And at least in my local area, it feels like the the casual scene is very well catered to. 
Um, but I want to see the competitive side grow. I'm just going to say, you been? I'm just going to say power line. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like to see more deck varieties. Like it's hard to get excited to see tournament results when you know what six of the top eight are. Yeah. So give me some more variety. Show me some more, uh, some more thought into your deck, not just, Oh, well this one's doing well. So I'm going to go with this. That's easy. Yeah, I don't think most people are really, really the, the upset. I think a lot of people are not is not at Ruby Amethyst itself. It's at having only one deck. Mm-hmm. So just having more decks as an option that can, you know, more rock, paper, scissors of what can beat what. And it's up to how good the person playing is, the luck of the draw, all of those things that, you know, TCGs are, are made for is, I think, what a lot of people are looking for beyond just hey look it's ruby amethyst again <laughs> hey man one more go ahead i want to see boxes on shelves <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean i mean i just uh stopped oh. in after work and grabbed a couple packs that were out of a fresh box that i opened yesterday yeah i'm still not able to do that where i live <laughs> we nope. we have probably six boxes at one lgs still in the back room and like two or three boxes out in display. So, I mean, if you want to make a road trip, feel free. I mean, I did see them on the shelf at one store, but they're also like 20, 20-ish percent over MSRP. And I'm like, they were like eight bucks a pack or whatever it is. I'm like, ah, come on. Which is crazy because like Rise of the Floodborne isn't even MSRP on TV oh, the, player. Like, Yeah, they had those at, at rate straight. MSRP, but first chapter was eight bucks. Oh, first chapter, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. these were nine bucks, but that's also Canadian, which is like, you know, two dollars for you guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Play money. All right. So, uh, what cards are you most interested in building decks around in set three? I know we've seen just under half of the card reveals, which is crazy because it's coming out, I think, 16 days from now. But out of the cards that we've seen so far, what are you most interested in uh, trying out? Well, I want to see more lore siphons, like the Aladdins, um, the one that just you play him, your opponent loses a lore, but also the every time he challenges, you're taking away lore and gaining lore. But for me, like Jim Hawkins is my boy, so I'm going to have to build something around Jim. And I've always loved Sapphire. I mean, that Robin Hood from D23 was my favorite card right off the bat. Unfortunately, I can't say that I've played much Sapphire in this set. So other than early on in, in the first chapter, which was like my go-to, I want to kind of get back to building more Sapphire cards. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to say when you've only seen half the set, right? Like uh, it, it's hard for me to want to answer that question without a full picture of what we're getting. Uh, but, but I will anyways, <laughs> uh, I do want to build some items. You know, there's, we, I feel like it's already there with the popsicle engine and uh, Tomatoa it's, it's already there, but we're getting new pieces like the um, lucky dime. Um, and the other thing they just revealed that new Ariel card evasive gives another character evasive. That sounds really fun. I'd like to play around with that, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. There's so many different fun ones. I personally, I want to try out the Emerald package that we've got coming up. I mean, besides the fact that like 90% of them are on Inkable, 
I really want to try the morph. I want to try out the Milo. I want to try out the uh, the Helga Sinclair. I mean, there's just a lot of fun-looking Emerald cards, but the fear is is that they're going to go the way of Bell Hidden Archer and uh, Relentless Beast. <laughs> but still, yeah. they, they look fun, and I want to give them a try. Morph seems really fun. Uh, Helga, I'm not very high on. Yeah, I like Morph. Yeah. Um, I want to make a location deck work because I think that I think that I think they'll be able to because I mean we've already seen some pretty strong ones with Fang and Tiana's Palace, so mm-hmm. I think we're going to be able to build something around those. But I definitely want to get a deck that works with locations where they're not just like tech cards where it's like oh if i actually get them in in my hand i can actually maybe use them but like they're why the deck is built um but i also want to make a new version of steel song um with all the new stuff that we've gotten so far and i want to make a new version of the mufasa deck using those plutos that uh we Mm. got so um some other things too like i mean yeah you'd have them in there when you want mainly characters but how awesome would it be uh, with Jim Hawkins coming out on a Mufasa banish and then also getting out a location and moving in there all on the same turn for free? I mean, that would be awesome. So you know who else really goes in that deck is the Pongo. Yeah. Because you're already almost all characters. So pay right. two, draw a card. Yeah. Good. Mm. So I think rebuilding with the new stuff, the Mufasa deck, the Amber Ruby Mufasa deck is going to be pretty fun. All right. So... We've we've kind of touched on this, but if you have any like more detailed uh, you know things to say about it, what do you hope will happen with the meta? I'm hoping for a major shift. Personally, I'm liking my options for like the red pill, blue pill matrix deck that I want to build. Um, just get some uh, sapphire going with some ruby. I I love the Aladdin in the ruby. But then Jim Hawkins being in there where you get to just play the location and move to it. Absolutely beautiful. Um, that said, I see potential for many different diverse deck uh, collections and options. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, quite the interesting set. I think we're going to get back to kind of the first chapter where we weren't just seeing one major deck. We're probably going to see two or three. I personally would love to see like you, you've got six, or sorry, yeah, you have six different ink colors, 15 different options for v- different variants that you can work to make decks with. Like, how do we not have at least four or five just major decks that are just hard hitters? Uh, you know, I'd like to see... I, there's still going to be a top deck, right? Like, For that's, sure. That's just the way it goes. Um, I, I'm used to that from having played Magic and stuff. Um, in fact, I've enjoyed how much, even within like Ruby Amethyst decks in the second set, there's diversity in there, and the decks right. grown there over is. time. Uh, you know, nobody was playing Fidget in the beginning, but then people realized that, oh well, Fidget's really good against Minnie Mouse, so now you're playing Minnie Mouse and Fidget. You know, uh, it. And even like the, late into the meta, you look at a tournament and maybe six of them are Ruby Amethyst, but they're not the same lists. Uh, whereas in Magic, the top deck is very much like copied card for card typically. 
you know, net deck would be the term. And so I do like that there's some variation. Maybe that's just the way the deck construction works because you do you don't have separate lands, right? So you're just kind of playing cards from your hand as your ink, and that allows you to have a little more variation and still be successful. Um, but just to hear the world stop complaining about it, I'd like to see the top deck not be Ruby Amethyst. Although for me, I feel like it's a totally different deck than the first set. Um, Maybe if the top deck didn't have be prepared in it, so maybe uh, no. just not Ruby. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, think, I would agree I, with that. I think people are tired of playing against be prepared constantly. That's why it's in my Mufasa deck because I mean it's just <laughs> too good. Mass removal is good. It turns out. Yeah, I mean if I can't beat him, maybe maybe I just got to join him. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, James. Any villain. thoughts before we move on? Um. I mean, what will happen with the meta? Yeah, I just want I just want more variety of decks, and um, that's about that's basically it. I just want more options. I just want to see stuff that and and as you mentioned with the Ruby Amethyst having like little pieces that can change, I think that's a good thing. And I think oh, one thing I want to see, and someone mentioned this earlier, is I want themed decks to actually be viable. So, like, if you want to build, because this is Disney, people love certain franchises. Like, you want more goof, goofy movie stuff. I want, and I know it's going to take m- many more sets to make it really viable, but I want eventually for theme decks to be meta decks. So, I want mm-hmm. a Snow White deck to be a meta deck or a goofy movie deck to be a meta deck or something like that. But I want a theme deck someday in the next year or two to be that good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it needs to. And I, I don't know that, like, like if Seven Dwarves was a top deck right now, I don't think I'd feel very good about that. Because then it feels like they're building the deck for you. Like, before the set even came out, they built this to be the top deck. And uh, I don't know how good that feels in a competitive environment. Well, that's why I say it would take a while, so that you have a lot of options so people can do that thing where they put what they want in there. Seven like Dwarfs is probably the one where it's like, yeah, you're putting in the Seven Dwarfs. So, yeah, that does feel more like. But if you have uh, a Fogborn, a Storyborn, and a Dreamborn of all the Seven Dwarfs, then you got options, and you can build the deck the way you want. Hmm. Okay. I see what okay. you're saying. All righty. So I'm going to ask you some listener questions before we get to our last one. Um, I know we didn't give you these ahead of time, but they're pretty good. So this first one comes from uh, Robinsberger Garrett. So he asked a question. How do you open booster packs? Do you have a preferred method of opening packs? And I know that both of you love opening packs. He says, (laughs) I know some people have special scissors. Others swear by lifting the seal flap first. What do you do? That's a great question. Uh, I guess I'll start on this one. Uh, What I try to do is I pull up because there's like the flap, right? I pull it and I place my nail right in the crease and I try to just rip it. And I'd say most of the time I can get the pack to open that way. And it just rips open cleanly. Uh, Other times when that doesn't work, I have to like peel the two sides of the flap apart because they're not glued like all the way. And I peel it open like that. That's exactly what I do, actually. Same. Yeah, and you know that if if you if you open it, if you pull that that flap out, sometimes there's a little bit of glue at the top 
where you can see where it's peeled a little bit, that's the that's the soft spot. So one side exactly. or the other will have yeah. that soft spot, and that's the point where you put your nail and pull at it. Yeah, that's what I go for. Yep. What about you, Ben? Anything different here? I guess the easiest way to describe it is just by you know doing it, opening a pack right now. <laughs> get well, my finger right here, pull it open. <laughs> so I get my finger right behind that flap, like you said. And then I just pull down from the top and nine times out of 10, it opens cleanly for me. The problem I have right on this one is I've been getting it where the barcode or part of the wrapper still sticks to it. So I have to kind of yeah, get that back happens in frequently. there. But I, I like to open my packs where I only open one flap because if I don't have time and I just wanted to open a pack of cards, I open them, I look through them, I put them back in the pack basically seal it back up by folding the flap back over and then throw it in my desk drawer until I do have some time. I don't want to tell you how many packs are currently in there. <laughs> there is the pack that we opened on last night's episode where uh, Charles was very sad to find out that he sent me a sad beast. So <laughs> Poor Charles. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> sad Charles. And he's not even sending it back. <laughs> Man, come on. I mean, I could send that and maybe another one. And you just send me some nice enchanted card back and <laughs> No, it's okay. I already traded for my fourth one. It's fine. It's oh, fine. okay. It's fine. All right. Next question here. This one comes from Erodian. If you could play Lorcana at one of the Disney parks or resort or cruise, where in the park would you play and who would you play with? Would it be a massive tourney or a small intimate game with a close friend or family members? What would that day be like? Um, well, for me, Disneyland. I haven't been to Disney World, so I can't say anything else other than Disneyland. It's the original. It's my go-to. And uh, where would I play? If it was for fun and giggles, I'm playing on Pirates of the Caribbean on the actual ride itself. Or I have to go around a couple times for that. <laughs> Or previously known as Splash Mountain. Just got to make sure you get your cards done just before uh, the waves hit. <laughs> or you're playing with a, uh, what, did, what do they call them? Poor Kana decks. Um, but I don't know. It'd, it'd kind of be nice if you could play in line, but then it's like you can't really play in line because you have to keep moving. So that's what kind of makes it hard with a card game. I I don't know. I personally see like, I could see like an Epcot tournament being a thing in the future possibly problem is you have to have access to the park so i could see it being more like something that was organized by a bunch of um bunch of fans of the game more so but then i'm like good luck setting that up with disney i don't know if they're gonna let you take over the area um yeah so that's kind of a tough one i'd probably gonna i'm probably gonna say where would i play is the grand californian after a long day of walking through the park. Right in front of the fireplace. Oh, yeah. What about you, Charles? That's a tough question. You know, my son is just over a year old. So I feel like the next time I go to a Disney park, uh, he's definitely going to be there. And he's not going to wait around while we play a game of Larkana. Uh So I'm going to go Disney Cruise is what I would pick. Uh, just playing a game with the wife on the cruise would be a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully they have a little, like a little childcare option at certain points during the cruise. Oh, they do. <laughs> uh, so we can dump him off and uh, <laughs> play some Lorcana somewhere. 
uh, for me, the thing that I said was uh, it would be super casual, probably with somebody like James or Eric or somebody who could meet me at the park. I would love to go play at the Blue Bayou right mm-hmm. there as Pirates is going by. Like the atmosphere, the ambiance, the smell. Yeah. Being able to play Lorcana right there. I think that'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Gotta have the pirate smell. But I think James had the best uh, response to this. I mean, if we're talking like wish list, I mean, just go play at Club Thirty Three. Mm-hmm. Fair, right? Fair. I mean, pick pick some random weekend night where you know it's not going to be super busy, and you know, go in there, have your three hundred dollar dinner. <laughs> And then play some games of Lorcana while you uh, are just in the ambiance of the coolest place in Disneyland, basically. Mm-hmm. Are you teaching some big corporate big wig to play, or who, who are you playing against? <laughs> no, I agree. Like I said, this is this is the wish list. I mean, you you either you either got to spend the cash or you got to know someone. So, <laughs> wish list, right? Wish so. List. The last question was one about building a community, but I honestly think it was such a good question that it deserved the episode unto itself. So we'll save that one for another time or a lights out, John. So our last question before we move into the ending segment for you guys, we always like to ask fellow content creators, what piece of advice you would give to fellow or aspiring content creators? What would yours be? We'll start with uh, Benny. Uh, I'd say just stick with it. Keep grinding. Uh, at times it can feel tough. You can feel like it's an uphill battle that nobody is listening or watching or interested in your content. Just keep grinding, try new things, find your niche and work it into the ground. Uh, when you finally find that one thing that people enjoy, it'll hit so hard for you and it'll take you to where you were meant to be, but nothing comes easy and you're going to have to work for it. But if you hold on and it means a lot to you, you'll get there. You and I have those conversations from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Content creation can be draining sometimes. I will be honest. What about you, Charles? Um, I would just say uh, make sure you're you're doing it because it's fun for you. Like, you know, don't, don't don't do this because you see people on Twitch making a bunch of money or like, it's, it's, you know, that's not that's not what's going to get you there. Like you have to be having fun. Your audience can pick up on that. And the other thing is just to you don't have to strive for perfection you know in the beginning. Just strive for getting better. Um and, and you know and just do it. You know uh what is it? perfection is the enemy of progress. So if you, if it sounds fun to you and like you just want to do it to have fun, just start doing it. And take feedback, get better you know, criticize yourself, but just have fun. Meet some random stranger on the internet, become podcast co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. I think James said it this way once. Uh, maybe it wasn't James. I don't know. But somebody once said that you really, I mean, you, Charles, you're talking about people on Twitch getting paid lots of money. Being a content creator, it's very rare to make a living off of it, but you get paid in the experiences. And I think James and I, maybe the both of you can relate. We both have had experiences that will carry with us for the rest of our lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like, it blows me away 
I've been at work before and I've heard somebody listening to our podcast and I've been walking through the shop and I'm like, hey, that's Charles. I wonder what Charles is doing here. And then I'm like, hey, that's me. Oh, somebody's listening to the podcast. And then I've had also like just at an LGS, somebody walks up and they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, good. Nice to meet you. And they'll see like I have an overexerted sticker or we'll start talking and I'll say something about a podcast and they'll be like, oh, what podcast do you host? And they'll be like, oh, I host uh, overexerted with with Charles. And they're like, oh, man, I love that podcast. And then now, like, just a couple people have come up to us. Um, well, sorry, not us. I don't know. Charles uh, have come up to me and just chatted for a bit. And now we've become friends through the game and through the podcast. And it's just I enjoy those experiences more than anything. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure getting invited to like a, a big Ravensburger event or something like that, you know, that'd be life changing or or something like that. But at the same time, like. For me, just having somebody that I've met through the game, met through the podcast that we become friends with, I'm like, man, I'm just I'm texting this guy that I just randomly met through playing Lorcana, and we're talking about like, hey, what cards do you need? What do you like? What do you want to trade for that? And hey, I grabbed a couple packs. Do you want me to grab you a couple packs and and stuff like that? And it's just it's really enjoyable. I agree. It was it was definitely surreal. The one time I sat down playing against someone, and like three turns into the game after we had been chatting a little bit it's like do you do a podcast I'm like yeah i do do the citizens lord con he's like i thought i recognized your voice i listened to it. <laughs> i'm like wow that's 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 pretty weird yeah um all right cool uh what are we doing now we doing end stuff let's move into the ending segments all right is there any there's not really news because we've just been getting like a deluge of cards Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to mention uh, that Jared and I will be doing a multiplayer game on live stream with Brimley Games this nice. Saturday. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this when this drops, that's tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific. We're going to play a multiplayer game on on his channel uh, because he's celebrating his uh, Learn to Play video, getting 100,000 views. So that's pretty awesome. And, that's and, awesome. It's, and it's not just the multiplayer game. He's doing giveaways. He's doing like Disney trivia. It's like a whole big thing that he's doing. There you go. I mean, I, I was only, I only cared about my part of it. That's why I was, that was why. <laughs> I was under the impression we were going to be there for the whole thing. Oh, I'll be there. But, you know, I'm not the one that's having to do all the work to get the ready for the giveaways and the trivia. So I'm like, I'm just going to show up and play some games and hang out. So I get to have there some we fun. Go. Yeah, like that that actually sometimes feels really good as a content creator too. When you don't have to plan anything, you don't have to do anything. You just got to show up and just just have fun. You know what the worst thing I'm having to do is? I have to clean my desk. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to have the camera facing down on the cards since we're doing a, a with you know a with, webcam with turning nice. Yeah, let nice. me ask. Uh, are you building a special deck for multiplayer? Or? Oh, of course. Oh, here we go. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's gonna be horrible. I'm gonna lose, but I'm gonna have so much fun doing it. They're gonna probably gonna build like multiplayer decks that are like finely tuned for multiplayer. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna throw in like 40 uninkables because they're the most awesome cards, and then like get three ink for the entire game. No, just I have right? nothing planned yet. Yeah, just play Jared's Ruby like last, Yeah, right. <laughs> Jared's just like last minuting it like usual, so. <laughs> like he does for his league. He's like, I'm going to build it at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. For yes. real, though. I'll probably just use my league deck. <laughs> just put in every card that says each opponent loses lore, like even Tangle. 
and just mm-hmm. make the game go on forever. <laughs> yeah, and you have to put in like seventy Ruby. cards. Right? You have to put in like playing, thinking of playing Ruby so I can get rid of all of James' cards. There you go. <laughs> no, play play Steel so you can just whole new world and mill me out. Ooh, there's an idea. Yeah, just put in like seventy cards, seventy seventy five cards, whole new world, Ariel. You know, bunch of singers, bunch of songs, and just mm-hmm. mill everybody. Gonna do it again. Do it again. Yep, that's do what I do. Do you go do it again, or do you go like room package? Room package would be good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. just just brooms, shuffling back in, whatever, whatever works. All right, let's move on to cards. Cards, cards. It's time for cards. Okay, so we're gonna cover like forty something new cards, right? <laughs> please no, last, James. Please no. <laughs> no, we're not. We're only going to hit some highlights here. So the first highlight, we're going to let uh, Benny and Charles do a card. And uh, Benny's uh, card that he picked is which one? <laughs> I don't know. Which one is it? Robin's bow. There you go. What do you think of this card? What is it? First, what is the card? You want me to tell? It? I can do it. I can yes. do it right now. Okay. It's emerald. It's an item. It's three costs. It's uninkable. And it has two abilities. Forest Gift, exert it, deal one damage to chosen damaged character or location, and a bit of a lark. Whenever a character of yours named Robin Hood quests, you may ready this item. For me, it's just the fact that it's Robin Hood and the art is nice. <laughs> that is my favorite part about this card. I, I'm not a big fan of cards that are do damage to damaged character. Just let me just straight up do the damage. It doesn't have to be a damaged character. I mean, it's three cost and uninkable, and you're giving me one damage for that? Come on. Come on. At least it's continuous. For that damage, damaged character thing, I legit watched at our sealed event last week. Uh, someone won the game with the Emerald Queen of Hearts that damages a damaged character. It was the only way they could get rid of one more character to where the person couldn't get enough lore to win, and then they won on their turn. Wow. Yeah, so it does work sometimes. Okay. I think it's a cool card. I think it's uh, in Emerald and the the readying when Robin Hood quests and you have, I don't think we're going to talk about it, but there's that new four lore Robin Hood in Emerald with the amazing John Lauren art. Uh, That's a good one to quest and then ready this up and just uh, do more damage to somebody else. Yeah, That's the card Mm -hmm. I should have chosen. Ping, ping someone with the steel Robin Hood, then you can deal damage on this one, quest with the emerald Robin Hood, and then you can do more damage with this one and get rid of most characters with that free amount of damage you've just done. There you go. There you go. Ben loves really convoluted <laughs> you know, card combinations. That's perfect for him. Ben just loves the best art cards. Yeah, it is. it is very pretty art on this one. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool little, the, the rays of light and everything. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, Charles, what's your card? Uh, Aerial Adventurous Collector. It is a three-cost, inkable, ruby character with two strength, three willpower, and one lore, and evasive and inspiring voice. Whenever you play a song, chosen character of yours gains evasive until the start of your next turn. It's That's a pretty, cool. pretty sweet card. Pretty sweet card. Um, obviously, well, first of all, it trades very nicely into a mini mouse. 
you can well i guess not super nicely you have to challenge it twice never mind the mini mouse part i was thinking about it wrong but it's got three willpower so it's not super easy to remove for a three cost character and the ability to protect an additional character i think is very cool uh, being able to give like a award character like um Cusco evasive as well you know what are you what are you gonna do what are we doing here and then now you've got a waste of removal card on my three cost character mm -hmm. like i think it's pretty good okay but you missed the best part there's a flounder Jared. in this card i know there right? you go i you know <laughs> i was gonna let you say it let you say it. you why, didn't why even have to called? photoshop in the flounder I know. And look at how prominent Flounder is in this. Why isn't this card called Ariel and Flounder? I know, right? Well, you know, because she's the important character. Whoa, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you are voted off this island. Uh. <laughs> no, I like this because this card, I know a lot of people recently have been teching in uh, You Can Fly to, That's what I was, yeah. to let people like use Maui as an evasive challenger. And this kind of lets you use characters and get some lore uh while you're while you're uh doing that whole evasive give an evasive to maui thing so i think it's pretty cool and if you yeah, have three yeah. if you have three characters on the field you drop that you can fly you make one of them evasive and then you use the you can fly to make one evasive so you've got her ability and the you can fly now you, all three of your characters including her are all evasive and it's like have a good day i'm just gonna quest now you see yeah. what I mean, guys? Convoluted card combination. Just gonna say that. <laughs> Got to make it all work. Got to make it all come together. Ariel's Amen. really good because you could play another card that already does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and then everything's evasive. Well, you know, it's it's you got to double down on everything. You got to do, do everything yeah. twice. All right, so let's talk about a few other cards that uh, I think uh, are worth talking about out of all the 40 ish cards that were revealed in the last okay. seven days. And the first one is Tiana's palace in Amber, uh, three cost uninkable two cost to move a character here and eight willpower with one lore and the ability night out characters can't be challenged while here. This one seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it I a lot. Too. What do you guys think? I think it's very strong. Uh, I like it a lot too. First of all, first location, or I guess maybe not first, like second, one of the very few locations that can survive a Maui swing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's very oh. important. Yeah. Maui has already been such a prominent card in the meta, and it feels like every location just dies to Maui. Uh, so, no, I like this one. I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm still wrapping my head around locations. Like... This appears to be a very good card. But again, you have to pay three. It's uninkable. And then you have to pay two to move any character there to give them, you know, essentially bodyguard. So I'm just really curious to see, unless you have something like, you know, Voyager or whatever, where you can pop two of your characters over here or Jim Hawkins. But uh, resource management is something that I'm just really curious to see how set three authors. I mean, this is in Amber and we haven't seen all of the Amber cards. So, I mean, are we going to see an Amber song like Voyage and Ruby that lets you move something for cheap or free? 
Are you predicting a card here, James? I mean, it seems like something... Uh, at the very least, I think it would be cost reduction because that's what Amber does is lots of cost reduction. So I think maybe it'll be a cost reduction where like, you know, you sing this song and you can move a character for one less or two less, something like that. Yeah, or maybe a, a song that reduces the cost to play the location. Right, something. I think there's going to be some cost reduction for song, for for locations using songs in Amber. Seems like the way to go. That's kind of their thing, right? Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Next up in Steel, we had this revealed today. The fourth legendary Mickey Mouse trumpeter. Uh, it is a four cost uninkable with zero strength and one willpower. It's the weakest character ever. Uh, <laughs> but it has one lore and the ability, uh, which I don't remember the name of because it's in German, but you exert it, you spend two ink and you can play any character you want for free uh bugle call bugle call all right this is fun i mean this is worthy of legendary for what it can do but also that zero one just makes it so risky mm -hmm. you can get it to go it's awesome that's yeah, the gambler's it's choice steel too yeah steel Steel dice. Because that's going to be its bane. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think that this one would be fun just for the just for the thrill of it. I mean, yeah, probably dice to removal 80% of the time. But that 20% of the time when you you know are able to play down uh, Flounder for uh, two cost. I mean, uh, like uh, <laughs> Maui or Goofy, that's going to be amazing. Hmm. Or in... Uh play it with ruby and you're able to get maleficent dragons and lady tremaines and yeah fill in the blank anything any big bomb any seven six seven eight nine cost character that you can get out for two on now if you're playing this in a, in another in the correct color with some cost reduction you can play this on turn three and get it out on turn four i get a nine cost character for two ink out on turn four mm. this and that and that doesn't require that much to make it work charles <laughs> it only requires, requires it to stay food. alive yeah stay alive that's it just stay alive mickey Throw so it if down. you're not playing still or you're not playing ruby and you're not playing you know potentially amber you're good there you go <laughs> just have to avoid half of the colors no problem <laughs> just throw it down with a nice simba bodyguard there you go and hope for the best and hope there you go it's the new broom. The energy with the energetic cleaning ability, it's got a six cost uninkable, three three, one lore. But it's got I the ability agree. when you when you play this character, if you have a sorcerer character in play, exert an opposing character. And they Definitely can't at the start of their next turn. Or it doesn't ready at the start of their next turn. I don't know. I just like that there's another broom. It looks like we're getting a broom set, and someday in the future we'll be able to play in a broom deck. And sweep so. the competition. There you go. Yeah, no, I love having the additional broom. We also have the broom location coming. Exactly. Um, and uh, you can also just shorthand that ability. It's just overexert chosen character. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked, and there are so many sorcerers. Uh, so, I mean, you, you're going to have probably a lot of sorcerers on board because you need a sorcerer on board in order to make it work. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, but it's... The most obvious being Mickey. Yes, of course. Know, of course. 
All right, so next up we have the Queen of Hearts in Amber, three cost inkable, three three stats with one lore and the ability always here are my ways. Whenever this character quests, your other villain characters get plus one lore this turn. The villain deck is finally coming together in Amber. Finally. <laughs> I said the same thing on our most recent episode. I was like, time to dust off those King of Olympuses. You know, we all got those gift sets and probably didn't <laughs> even bother opening the paper around those two cards. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few of them sitting over there. Same. Now this one, this one is finally letting the villain deck come together. So I, I'm hoping that uh, it does work, and we shall see. It's at least giving it a chance, you know, right? It never had a chance before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because I wasn't Hades like the only villain in Amber in the first set. Uh, like the no. two Hades are the only two villains, something like that. Basically, there weren't might very be many right at all. It was kind of crazy. Uh, might be. I don't remember. But. Next up, we have uh, the boss is on a roll in Amethyst. It's an action song. It costs three. It's inkable. And the ability is look at the top five cards of your deck, put any number of them on the top or bottom of your deck in any order, and then you get to gain one lore. Like Amethyst needed more ways to just get free lore. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it because the idea that it's a song that does something and gives you a lore. So you're not like, you're not really even paying the cost of singing a song. Just like you just sent, sent your character on a quest. Yeah. And on top of that, you get to dig five cards into your deck uh, to try and find what you're looking for. I'm very stoked about this card, actually. It's a good card. I mean, you lose a card, right? Because you don't even get to even draw one. So you go down card advantage. But Amethyst has no problem with, like, Amethyst has no problem drawing cards. No big no. deal. No, they do not have any problem drawing cards. <laughs> Play the goat. Gain a lore. Have the goat sing it. Gain a lore. Oh, no, my goat got banished. Gain a lore. There's three lore, and I didn't really do anything. Have fun playing against me. Amethyst. <laughs> You're just going right. to see a deck of nothing but sorcerer's spellbook, bosses on a roll, goats and mims to bounce those said goats back into your hand there you go that's the game plan free lore all day long never challenge never quest just free yeah. lore all day long that's right all right uh next up in emerald we have the five cost uninkable helga sinclair femme fatale with four four stats two lore uh, she's floodborne uh so she can shift on three and the ability, this changes everything. Whenever this character quests, you may deal three damage to chosen damaged character. Now, this one's in here not mainly for the ability, because uh, I think, Charles, you mentioned earlier that you're not really up on this card, and I don't think it's really that great of a card either for the ability. Um, I just wanted to point it out because the art is a little different than most of the other art we've seen. It doesn't have the black lines around the character that gives it that comic booky cartoony look to it it is definitely a more paint painters painterly style i think so i think it's just a pretty cool and, and in the background you can see the tentacles or the whatever is happening there in the background i think this has a little bit of uh of lore in the background going on some story so i think it's a pretty cool card and it might be a good ability who knows we'll see yeah well i think the obvious uh pairing here is with the uh, hans when you quest deals the damage 
um, to an opposing character, and then she can finish off that character. Like, deadly duo right there. Yeah, four yeah. damage is enough to take out almost everything around that, uh, around mid to the mid game. So, yeah, more than enough. My favorite thing about this card is just the name of the ability because that's all we heard in before the first chapter was released in all of the Lorcana discords. This changes everything. This changes everything. Yes, that was if, I I loved the the reveal that the Inkwell and and uh, Brandon did uh, John mm-hmm. Kimmel, the way they did this where they're like cuz everyone was like you're trolling us, right? Or you know what random super weird thing do you guys revealing or a special thing or whatever and it's like no it literally just says that on the card that's we we didn't <laughs> buy it all it's like yeah okay guys you're still trolling yeah. <laughs> love it <laughs> oh yeah it was they were clickbaiting for sure yeah and awesome. i would expect nothing less <laughs> <laughs> all right final card we're going to go over is map of treasure planet it's in steel it's inkable three cost it's an item and it has two abilities the first one key to the portal exert it Pay one ink less for the next location you play this turn. And then show the way. You pay one less to move your characters to a location. So that's this is your 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 uh steel version of getting you know, some cost reduction on on uh on locations. And that's why I think Amber's gonna get some song version because why not? Gotta have mm-hmm. something, right? Every ink needs a cost reduction of some kind for locations to make them a little bit easier to play. So I think uh I think this card actually if locations are definitely a thing, this card's getting played. Yeah, especially cuz yeah. you can just get that location out for cheap and then if it's a one to move the character to the location, it's just like, "Nah, they're moving for free. Thank you." Right, and it's and the thing is it's not even an exert to get that one less. It's just always there so every character can move there all you want. And if you're playing Emerald in Steel, Every turn, you can move that Peter Pan between the two. If you get two locations out, just every turn, move that Peter Pan, one lore, two lore, depending on what the location has. Back and forth, every turn, once per turn, back and forth. Mm -hmm. There's your free lore. It's not even an amethyst. There's there's potential for this card. I'm I'm not sure just because you're playing the location you play this, though. Because three for, like, I mean, if you compare it to something like, um, the amber uh, item that reduces the character's cost. That costs two, right? Lantern. And yeah, lantern. And you're gonna you're gonna reduce a lot. Like you're gonna use it every turn because you're gonna play a character every turn. How many locations are you gonna play? Maybe one or two in a, in the whole course of a game. Unless um, locations are you build a location themed deck that really puts out you know four, five, six, seven locations. Well, it'll be a pretty bad deck if you're not also playing characters to defend <laughs> you can your play locations. Because you're paying one less for your uh, for your <laughs> locations and to move them, right? If you play a bunch of one cost moves, you just move them for free. The, the, the move is a bit better because you can get more value out of that. Yeah, like you can do that twice in a turn potentially. Um, I just don't know how much impact these cards are really going to have. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Just wait until the uh, Sentinel just, cards come out. It just feels Let's... like the locations already put you behind ink, and then moving puts you behind ink. And that you're playing this to try and catch up, but that's also hitting your tempo. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. 
just wait until the ability Sentinel comes out, where uh, Sentinels are basically bodyguards, but they're bodyguards for locations. I'm I'm with you, Charles. There, that's uh, that's me trying to make sense of how locations make sense. And, and most of the locations are pretty cheap to get out too. So like, like you know, Maui's place of exile is a two cost. So are you not playing that on turn two? Now you're waiting until turn four so that you can reduce the cost by one. I don't know. What if, hear me out, you play this and you're playing in Sapphire, convoluted, here we go. Now you're going to play um, Matanui and you're just, waiting. you're just waiting for that turn seven. It's coming around. What could be uh, coming out of your uh, Ruby Amethyst opponent? Oh, wait, I'm going to pay one less and just move all my characters there. Pass turn, enjoy turn seven, give me ink. There you go. <laughs> all right. Before <laughs> we go further down this track, are you guys ready for Disney Jeopardy? Uh, I hope my co-host came prepared because I am not prepared at all. So let's see how this goes. I will do my best. You are able to uh, bounce knowledge off each other. So, hot seats got me worried. For 100, this is the Little Mermaid character that makes an appearance in Moana. Um, I didn't know this one either. James came up with the questions today. They're all going to be very hard. Now, just uh, I think, think it's Sebastian. Just think for a second whose podcast you're on and then form your answer. <laughs> Was it Flounder? Flounder. Ding, 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 ding. It's funny because that was like the first thing I thought is I was like, wait, this is Citizens of Lorcana. This has got to be Flounder. I'm going to have to go look that up. Okay, for 200, this is the side of the treasure chest Little John takes the gold from at the beginning of Robin Hood. Like left side or right side? Or top or bottom. Oh, uh, okay. A oh, side. Man. Now, I asked this one because it's actually on a Lorcana card. Um, yeah, ben is my resident Robin Hood fan. I'm I'm leaning on you here, bud. Uh, I was going to say right side. Think of the card still from the rich. I know, I know. Oh, wait, from the bottom. They uh, they drill out the bottom with the um, with the dagger. There you go. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right out. I was thinking of the little John card, or not the little John. I was thinking of the uh, Prince, Prince John. John card, mm -hmm. and then I was like, "Wait a second, he's standing to the one side." You yes. guys are kind of two for two. So kind of two for two. <laughs> <laughs> for three hundred. This is the item Maui needs to reclaim in order to get his shape shifting powers back. Well, Maui's fish hook. There yeah. you go. That should have been the one hundred. Let's go. For four hundred, even this I knew that the, one. <laughs> for four hundred, this was the first Disney animated movie since Bambi to not have any human characters. Nope. Hold on. No, that's a human character. Ah. Gee, this one. This. What, where are you at? Uh, what do you got? I was gonna say Robin Hood. That was gonna be. Ding 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 ding. I'm just. I'm gonna stop you there before you go any further down that rabbit hole. I was. Yeah. It's funny because at first I was like, "Well, Zootopia doesn't have any humans," and I was like, "Wait a second, hold up, that's a long ways away." Yeah. And Robin Hood's in between those. And so is Lion King. Anyway, 
for 500. Moana is a computer-generated movie, except for these that were hand-drawn. What's a good Co Coconuts. Consider the coconuts. No, it's not coconuts, Charles. No. Uh, um. Boats. No. no. <laughs> I'm drawing. Yeah, one more chance. Yikes. Let's see. I don't I mean, know what these. He said, yeah, these. It's like multiple these. items. Mm -hmm. I was I was gonna say, like, when I was thinking coconuts, I was thinking of those little bad guy coconuts, but I can't. Takamori. That's oh, would the it name. be would it be you think then before we give an answer, do you think it'd be like Maui's tattoos? You know what? I've got no clue, so I'm just going to go with Charles's answer. Well, Charles' answer is correct. Maui's tattoos. Oh. Good job. Way to go, Charles. Coming in clutch. There well, we that are. was very lucky. That, that I, I, since uh, I knew that uh, Benny was a fan of Robin Hood, I put a couple of Robin Hoods in there, and then with the news of Moana 2 getting announced today, I threw in some Moana questions. That makes so much sense. Oh, Moana 2 got announced. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's coming out in November. Like, steps up on the beach. It's animated, right? Animated, but animated movies take like two to three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they announced it today and it's coming out in November. Oh, I'm glad it's animated. I was sad if you said it was live action. Oh, the mm -hmm. live action one's still in the works. Oh, but for the first one. Right? For, for the, the first one. Live action remake of the first one. Yeah. Well, I think with a couple assists, you guys went five for five there. So, <laughs> all right. Good enough. So, again, Sweet. we want to thank both of you for coming on the show. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Overexerted podcast, definitely go check it out. Benny, Charles, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? You can find us at Overexerted. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a problem. Charles, help me out. I'm brain fart. You can today. find us at you can find us at overexerted cast on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find us uh, on our Discord. Um, how you're going to find the Discord is a great question. Just <laughs> just message to, me if you know me. If you go to our uh, like episode description on Spotify, uh, it's linked there. Um, and you can find us lurking in uh, other Discords too, like the. Uh, Official Discord and the um, uh, it work on HQ Discord as well. And soon, it's in the works. You'll be able to find me at Overexerted Benny on Twitch, where I will probably be playing some games, possibly even some of our webcam tournament games that we're doing on our Discord. There you go. Nice. Cool. And speaking of Discords, again, as you may remember from last week, the Citizens of Lorcan opened up our own Discord. So while you're joining Discord, Discords, uh, look us up. Um, and if you liked what you heard on here, you can follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice. You can find me on the website formerly known as Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal, and you can check out geekshotphoto.com for social media and photography links for my wife and I. And uh, thank you guys for joining us, and thank you all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time.